he said, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense <laughs> that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. I love how the New Living Translation says that. Don't let anybody capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense from human thinking, but also from spiritual powers of this world. So in this section we're going to look at today, Paul demonstrates a passionate pastoral concern for the Colossian believers, that they will not be captured by false teaching. They will not fall under condemnation of other people's approach to faith, a really false approach. Because the false teaching does not lead to a life of victory. It does not lead to freedom, but it does lead to shame, condemnation, powerless legalism. And so he's saying, you have all you need in Christ. Remember who he is and remember who you are in him. Don't, don't add to this or take away from this. Christ is all and in all and is all that matters. So let's take a look at this passage. I'm going to read the passage, uh, Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 to 23. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels saying they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud and they are not connected to Christ the head of the body, for he holds the whole body together with his joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Let's pray. Father, uh, as we continue in this passage, and this being your word given to us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would teach us that we would know what your word is for us today and that we would submit to you, Lord, that we would experience all that you have for us as we respond in obedience to what you've said. Thank you for these moments. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts and minds would truly be kept right in you because you are our rock. You are our fortress. In Jesus' name, amen. Notice verse 17 as we get into this section. Verse 17, 
as he talks about rules and things that people are talking about that he wants to address, he says, these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come, and Christ himself is that reality. Shadows. They're only shadows. You know, shadows are a distorted image of something that is real. There's something real there, but the shadow isn't the thing. The shadow is just what we see as a result of it kind of blocking the light, right? You know, shadows get longer as the day gets later. Right? The light's back here, and we can look like giants sometimes, you know, if you look at your shadow. It's not really who, who we are. It's not really what is. The, the light is behind the object, and we see the result of the object in the way of that light. There's no value in the shadow. What comes really in a shadow is no detail, no color, just darkness. It doesn't bring that which we really would want. And if we spend our time in shadows, if we spend our time just in the things that really aren't real, then we're going to end up with nothing, basically. And so Paul was saying, be careful here. You know, what that, what people are telling you, and we're going to get into these in particular, but that which people are trying to tell you are so important and, and the extras that you need for reality in your spiritual life aren't really anything at all. They're just a shadow. And, and they won't bring you into the light. They won't bring you the vitality that really is available in the reality of Christ. So let's take a look at those things. First of all, living in the reality of Christ is to be a life of freedom. Matter of fact, it says that. It is a life of freedom. In Christ, we are no longer slaves to sin. In Christ, we're no longer under Satan's rule. We're no longer condemned. That's how Paul starts this passage, right? Do not let anyone condemn you. You probably uh, all are familiar with the story in John chapter 8 where Jesus is brought by the religious leaders and Pharisees a woman who is caught in adultery. You know that story, right? That's the one where he gets down and he writes in the sand. We don't know what he wrote. <laughs> Some people think he wrote the names of all the people that were accusing or maybe what they had been sinful about. <laughs> But whatever it was, it was powerful. And of course, that story is that uh, the law would say that she should be stoned, killed. And of course, Jesus' comment is, okay, whichever one of you here in this group is without sin, go ahead. <laughs> you throw the first stone. Well, you know, one by one, they all kept going away until it was just Jesus and her. And he said to her, where are those who condemn you? Well, they weren't there. And Jesus says, neither do I. What a powerful word. The one who had every right to condemn her. The one who was perfect. The one who knew all about her. <laughs> the one who knew about everybody. It was writing in the sand. <laughs> Neither do I condemn you. Go and don't sin anymore. 
You know, the power of Christ is not one that is to bring us condemnation. Although, many times we realize our guilt because He's perfect. We realize the shame of what we've done because certainly it's far from the holiness of God which we sung about. But that's not where we're to be. That's not why He came. Matter of fact, Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 17, that God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world may be saved through Him. God so loved the world, right, that He sent Jesus. God loves us. God loves you. God does not want you to live your life in condemnation, even though we totally deserve it. I mean, we're already condemned in our sins. We need a Savior, and Jesus is the one. Jesus does not bring condemnation, he brings salvation. Certainly the day will come when he comes as ruler and king, but he has come as savior. He has come as the one to love us and to bring us that which we desperately need. So condemnation is not from him. So for those who belong to Christ, actually, do you realize the truth of the scriptures that say there is no condemnation? Now, I believe you probably, like me, wrestle with that sometimes. You know, I mean, don't you at times realize how far short you fall from God's holiness and righteousness? Don't you even tell yourself that sometimes? Maybe sometimes the condemner we don't want to listen to is ourselves. Somebody tells us that, and certainly the spiritual powers of darkness seem to play on that as well. But Romans 8.1 makes it very clear. Now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. You know, apparently here in the Colossian church, Paul had gotten word. I mean, he had never been there. We mentioned that. But he had received word that there were teachers, people there who were condemning others for their actions or their non-actions kind of painting a picture that if you really are a true spiritual person, this is the stuff that needs to be in your life or not in your life. But Paul writes, don't let anyone condemn you for these things. And so the freedom we have in Christ, as he lists it here, is freedom from rules. Verse 16, he mentions uh, rules about what they eat or drink. And rules about certain holy days, uh, new moon ceremonies, or Sabbaths. Wow, certain days. Rules about what they eat or drink. You know, it's kind of the idea that if, um, if you do these things, if you eat this food or you drink this certain type of drink, then your faith is in question. And now, now, we never do that anymore, right? Ha ha. Yeah, we do. I mean, the evangelical community has been very good at times of determining whether a person really is spiritually sound or not by what they eat or drink. I saw you at the restaurant, and I saw you have that. And I want to tell you, in church on Sunday, I'm going to point it out, and we're going to get you right with God. Yeah, 
I don't want to live there. That's, 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 that's exactly what he's teaching against here. He's saying, don't go there. That, that is, that's being enslaved again. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's being, it's trying to be somebody on your own by your performance so that everybody else thinks you're good. Rather than making sure that this is right in your heart with Jesus. Because that's what really matters. That's what really matters. It's not about what we do or what we don't do. Matter of fact, it talks about the, the doing too, the rules about celebrating certain days. Holy days, new moon ceremonies, Sabbaths. You know, that, that's a real issue throughout the New Testament, of course. In uh, the early church, the, the, the Jews, of course, had, had come out of the whole system of having regular days of doing this and not doing this and doing that and not doing that and, and all of the different performances that took place. And, and uh, certainly God had, had said that's what they're to do. I'm reading through... Uh, the book, well, I'm going through the Bible in a year, and right now I'm in Numbers. I was in Leviticus. Uh, can't wait to get out of them. <laughs> and I'm thankful every day as I read them that Jesus has set me free. <laughs> My goodness, a lot of blood, a lot of mess. Can't imagine being a priest. <laughs> Think about it. If I were a man of the cloth earlier in the time before Jesus what I'd have to do kill animals and sprinkle blood reading about the different punishments on people that you'd have to make sure take place pretty strong stuff stoning and people declared unclean and had to take a time away and then be reinspected. I mean, that priest was doing all that stuff. Circumcising male children. I don't think I'd sign up for that. Yeah, but you know, the wonder is, we're, we're not there anymore, isn't it true? Now, now, now we never want to lose sight of the fact that we're, we're dealing with the Holy God, and there was purpose in all of those things. I read those realizing that the demands of God are real and that the, the, the regulations and the laws and the rules are there. So what does that mean? Well, it, it means that these were put there to lead us to Christ. We'll get to that a little bit later when I share some scriptures related to that. But you know... The, the rules, the demands, the things that people put on each other that limit freedom are still very real. We were uh, in Florida last week. And you know, I went there to suffer, of course, you know, and so we, we did that part, yeah. But um, while we were there, we had a great time with uh, Betty's two brothers and their wives, and uh, but uh, one of the brothers' wife was telling us about experience that she had had at a very legalistic church. And um, she had been working with the youth group, and uh, they had taken the youth group to an outing. They'd gone to a, an amusement park, had a great time. But there was a, there was a weather issue, and things were delayed, and, and so the schedule was changed. And it resulted in that they didn't get back in time to get to Wednesday night prayer meeting. And so she 
was brought on the carpet by the pastor's wife and another leader, and she was told that she could not possibly be really saved because she wouldn't make it to Wednesday night prayer meeting and get the kids back. Now, this is real, friends. This really happened. And so they made her make sure she was saved to repent and receive Christ. Now, isn't that, I mean, we all sit here and go, you've got to be kidding. No, that happened. Thank God she's not there anymore. I thought the people that needed to repent, maybe, and get saved were the people that were accusing. Oh, something wrong there. Well, it was. I could tell you the rest of the story, but you don't have time. So, But it was a mess. It really was. It was not of God. It was not of Christ. Christ was not the reality there. Rules were. Be careful. Don't get into those situations because rules do not bring freedom. Don't let anybody condemn you. And by the way, don't be the condemner either. That's a good warning to us all. (laughs) Paul writes uh, a little bit later in this passage when he says in in verse 22, I mean 20 and 21, he says, hey, don't, don't, don't go keep on following the rules of this world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't, don't touch. He says, merely human teachings about things that do not last. It can appear, as he says in this section, that, that following these rules can look, make us look good. <laughs> he says, people who do that look strong in their devotion to Christ. I mean, they look very pious. Uh, they're self-denial. They're, they're, they're uh, man, they're way beyond the rest of us. You ever feel that way about some folks? They're kind of proud of the devotional life they have or the way they deny themselves or the things that they do. Jesus had something to say about that. Remember that in his teaching in the uh, Sermon on the Mount when he said uh, (laughs) to the Pharisees, you know, you get your reward (laughs) when you kind of show off what you did. You know, if you fast in front of everybody or you look like you're about ready to die because you've been fasting, you know, or if you're praying out loud and, you know, have trumpets even playing when you're praying, (laughs) you know, he kind of made a big deal out of it and said, hey, that's not the way. The doing, the showing off, the, the trying to be spiritual is not the way to freedom. You see, rules lead to have-to responses, but not want-to responses. Rules can guide behavior, but they don't change us on the inside. God put rules in place in the Old Testament, not as the way of salvation, but as I mentioned, to point us to salvation in Christ. Paul wrote this in Galatians 3.19, that the law was given to show people their sins. But the law was designed, he says, to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. Did you get that? The law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised, until Jesus. And in verse 21 of Galatians 3, he says this, if the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. 
But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin, so we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. Only by believing in Jesus Christ. Not believing in Jesus Christ plus doing all the celebrations right or or eating or drinking the right things. Don't add on. Don't take away. So in Christ, we have freedom from rules. We have freedom from the spiritual powers of this world, too, he says. Verses 14 and 15, Paul has declared that Christ canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. You see, the victory is through the death of Christ. And we live in that victory because we are identified with his death. Verse 20, you have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. Sounds like Galatians 2.20 to me, where Paul says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I remember when I first, uh, well, when I got saved, when, when I heard the gospel clearly in my mind, I've heard it many times before, but when I actually asked Christ into my life, I was 14, I was at a uh, youth camp up in the Pocono Mountains, and uh, <laughs> I remember, this is so crazy, I remember going into the bathroom and closing the bathroom stall door. And on the back of the door, you know, where people usually write graffiti, right? Sometimes it's not too nice, right? But here was this scripture, Galatians (laughs) 2.20. I'll never forget that. But, you know, it's interesting. Somebody, that meant so much to them, they wrote that there. I got it again. I thought I was just going to the bathroom. Right, but I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. What a wonderful truth. And that's where there's victory. That's where there's freedom. You see, we still wrestle. I I mean, I do, you do. We still wrestle with the the world's powers, with with the influence of the culture of our world, with the spiritual powers of the air that we don't see. I mean, they're still very involved in our lives. You're wrestling with it every day. I am too. But there's a difference from wrestling and being under the powers, from being slaves to the powers. Even though we may wrestle with them, we are not ruled by by them they have been defeated jesus's victory is complete it is finished and our victory is through his death on the cross so as we see this one side of the false teaching following rules and the other side adding experience is a necessary part of faith none of it is in christ all of it is human teaching so let's look at that second part where we not only have freedom from rules but we also have freedom from what I'm calling more. Freedom from more. Throughout my Christian life, I have found myself in situations where it seems like somebody has had a special spiritual experience and I haven't had it. And I have felt second class. I felt like I need something because they got something. And I still have that go through my head at times. I'll hear somebody give a testimony, and I'll hear them say what, they, what happened with them. And, and praise God, in many cases, it is something of God. But then I'll take it and I'll say, well, that has to be me too. 
And, and I'm missing something. This is a passage that really takes us to a place to say, no, that, that's not the way to think. All right? God is very personal, and he's working in each of our lives. And, and it's not about more, it's about Christ, Christ alone. I remember a friend telling me one time about, we were talking about this and about how there was a group we were dealing with who seemed to have these great spiritual experiences. And, and uh, he said, you know, he says, I, I've observed them. And I realize that they aren't really living any different than the rest of us. <laughs> They're still wrestling with the things that go on. They're still needing to pray and ask Christ to guide us. They're still depending on God's power. They're still messing up. They're still having, you know, it's not like they're living on some kind of spiritual high all the time. And I thought, that's really good perspective. Really good perspective. Paul says here in verses 18 and 19 that if we have Christ, we have all we need. Let me just read again verses 18 and 19. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels saying they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body, for he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments and it grows as God nourishes it. Hmm. Wow. Perhaps insisting on long times of fasting, prayer, or giving up things. Certainly the way of the cross can, can involve self-denial. Jesus said that we must deny ourselves and take up our cross to follow him. But he also said we shouldn't let our fasting, praying, and giving be seen publicly for praise. So we have that balance there. You know, when we are proud of our performance and want others to be as well, there is something wrong because the way of the cross, the way of following Jesus, the life of Jesus is one of humility, not promotion of oneself or one's spirituality. It is not of Christ that that perspective is of the flesh, and that's what Paul writes. He also mentions the, the worship of angels and visions as actions that have made the false teachers proud about Paul you know he had a vision of the third heaven he said and he said God gave him a thorn in the flesh to keep him from being proud <laughs> and he ended that whole context there by saying that he was going to boast in his weakness not the fact that he had all these experiences because God's power was made perfect in those you see extra experiences and practices are not the way to deeper life with God. Jesus is the way. More of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's not about you and me. We can't do anything or stop doing anything enough to make ourselves any different than we are. But He makes it all new. Behold, I make all things new. <laughs> Only He can do that. Dear friends, never get tired of wanting more of Jesus. <laughs> never get distracted to look other places to try to get what you really need. Look to Him. He's the reality. You know, we can't see Him. We can't see what He's doing. We can see the results at times of what He does. But sometimes we get distracted and we get off track because we don't see. 
And that's why Paul also wrote that we live by faith and not by sight. Yeah. Jesus, only Jesus, not all the extra stuff. Focus on him and let him lead. That's what he goes on to say in this section we just read. He says, uh, let Christ be the head of the body. Those who are doing other things aren't connected to him, he says. He says, because Jesus holds the whole body together. He's the one that makes things right. He's the one that makes things work. And he makes us grow in Christ together. And God nourishes what Jesus does. So living in the reality of Christ is not allowing ourselves to be condemned by others in regard to rules and super spiritual experiences. This is what it's not. So what is living in the reality of Christ? Well, next week we will be in chapter 3 and Paul gives more clarity on that as we go forward. But I want to just give you a few things to, to go away with today, okay? We just don't want to leave you on the knots, but on the, the reality, the do. I have three things today. First of all, and it's so simple, it almost sounds like I'm defining the def definition with the words that are the definition, but Jesus is the true reality we seek. Verse 17, Christ himself is that reality. When we look anywhere but Jesus to know what is real, valuable, pleasing to God, and life-giving, we will be disappointed. Paul says that reality really is yet to come. We don't have it all. We have all that we need to see it all at some point because of Jesus, but he will bring it all to reality. And even though this world might think they have it all together and, and, and we just need a little more of this and a little more of that, it's not going to produce it. Jesus is the only answer. He's going to come back. He's going to set up his kingdom. He's going to bring the reality that we believe in. And if this is truly our hope, we will live appropriately. We will be preparing for his return and entrance into heaven. What we don't see is the reality that we really are looking for. And it is all found in Christ. Secondly, Jesus is the way of victory. Verses 20 through 23, Paul talks about the fact that this worship of angels, all of these types of things, uh, all of the things that people were condemning others for, don't do a thing. It's all about what Christ has already done. He has died for us, and we die with Him through our faith in Him. And He has set us free from the spiritual powers of this world. We have victory in Jesus. That's not just an old hymn. <laughs> True and complete victory is in Christ. Now, hey, dear friends, I am a firm believer in God using people that are gifted by Him to help people that have found themselves trapped with addictions, with the things that get a hold of us. But I also know and believe that the key to true, complete victory in those settings or any is really through Christ alone. I appreciate the work of, of a group like Teen Challenge that really believes that. You know, they're, they're working with people that are in the midst of addictions. And it takes a lot of time sometimes, and a lot of patience, and a lot of prayer. But Jesus is the center of what they're doing, and they have found 
a tremendous success rate when they're compared with all the other things that are going on with addiction treatments. Billions of dollars are being spent in our country today treating people with addictions. Many times with processes that are very limited. Christ is not a part of it. I'll just give you a statistic, and it really doesn't talk about a real transformation from Christ, but recent studies have shown that people struggling with substance abuse, 82% who have experienced a spiritual awakening, that's what they just call it there, okay, in this study, but those who have experienced a spiritual awakening during treatment, they remain sober after one year compared to 55% without faith. That just general word shows that there's something going on there. And Paul ends this passage by saying that all this pious self-denial, severe bodily discipline, um, all of the uh, things that people were talking about were necessary, he says they don't provide any help in conquering a person's evil desires. You know, you can have your own program, set your own goals for the year, and you're going to set yourself free. It won't work. You need Jesus to help you. You need Jesus to do it. You need Jesus to keep you free, to set you free, to, to follow him. He is the way of victory. And finally, I just love the passage here where he says, Jesus holds it all together. <laughs> he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments. We read earlier in chapter 1, verse 17, that he holds all creation together. That's power and authority. And here we read he holds the whole body together and it grows as God nourishes us. That's relationship. That's love and grace. The all-powerful one is in relationship with us and we with him. And so he is able to hold it all together. You ever feel like everything's falling apart? You ever feel like things are not coming together? You ever wonder where the answer is? Jesus holds it together. I can't get it together and when i think i have got it together i forget where i put it <laughs> yeah he is our hope he's the hope of the church he is the way for unity and growth and without him we are hopeless but in him we are held our hope is not in a more disciplined life it's not in keeping rules it's not in celebrating certain days it's not in not eating or not drinking certain things hope is in christ who holds it all together so what is the key here dear friends he told us in john 15 didn't he He said abide in me and i'll abide in you stay close stay close stay close how do you stay close to somebody duh <laughs> spend time with them right yeah you talk you share and particularly with Jesus, you listen, and then you obey. That's the way of victory. That's the way of freedom. That's the way of hope. Uh, that song we sang, uh, are you guys going to end with that, the new one? Good, because I was going to ask you to if you weren't. So, <laughs> You are ending with that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Some great words in there just about this whole issue of, of Jesus being the key to our freedom. Kind of hard to totally define it, isn't it? 
But boy, if you have experienced it, if you know that Christ has been your way out where you had no other way out, you also know that's what we need every day. And maybe you haven't. Maybe you're still finding yourself wrestling with things that have a hold of you. Hey, my only answer for you is Jesus. I've just been dealing with some folks this week. And uh, I don't think they know Jesus. They got a lot of stuff going on. And uh, I haven't really talked to them much about Jesus. But I can tell you, I've talked a lot to Jesus about them. And I asked Jesus to help me with what I say to him. And I know he's, do- and I know he's doing it. <laughs> I see. I, ca- I came home from a session the other day with Betty. I said, I can't believe it. There's some good things going on here. I wouldn't have given you two cents for that. The power of Christ is real. I don't have control of that. <laughs> That's not what this is about, right? We don't control Jesus. We follow him. We allow him to do what only he can do. So let's pray. Lord, as we come to the end of this service, um, we've read your word, we've, we've heard your word, we've thought about your word, and certainly it shows us clearly that Jesus, you are the only way, but you are the only way of victory. You are the one who brings freedom. Oh Lord, forgive us where we have gotten caught up in rules in performance, mentality, and not really known the freedom that you bring. I just hear the passionate words of Paul as I read this passage. Just saying, don't go there, friends. It is a nowhere street. Don't let others condemn you. Don't let them take you places where Jesus isn't. Instead, Find your freedom in him, because that's the only place you'll find it. Thank you for that word, Lord. Work in our hearts today, I pray, in your precious name. Amen.